Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom and welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program. We're so glad that you're with us again. And if you're listening for the first time, so glad that you're giving it a try. And I hope that these enriching Bible studies on the Hebrew Scriptures and how it relates to Jewish life and Jewish evangelism uh, will enrich your soul. Uh, This weekend, our final Torah portion in the Book of Numbers centers around redemption and particular the cities of refuge, which I find to be incredibly interesting. And so we'll be looking at Numbers chapters 30 through 36, verse 13. Remember now, the Hebrew Bible is divided up into 52 portions so that the Jewish people all over the world read the entirety of the five books of Moses every year in the synagogue. And a lot of us, uh, particularly Jewish believers who go to Messianic congregations, we follow suit. I mean, it can't hurt to read through the whole five books of Moses every year, can it? And so this is a wonderful Jewish tradition that we like to keep. And so we're going to look at this last portion of the book of Numbers and try and draw some parallels, we hope, between what is said in the Older Testament and what is said in the New. Joining me is Bobby Walter, the director of the Chosen People work in Brooklyn, New York City, and actually throughout the New York region. And so welcome, Bobby. Glad you're here. Yes, shalom, Mitch, and uh, shalom to everyone out there. We're, uh, like Mitch said, we're so glad that you're joining us. And uh, Mitch, I'm really excited about this uh, this topic and this portion uh, because there is a really strong, what we like to call a redemptive analogy in this portion that honestly answers uh, some pretty major objections to the atoning work of Jesus. Wow, that sounds like we're headed in a good direction, uh, Bobby. Yeah, I think so. I think it also speaks a lot to God's sense of mercy and justice, and uh, particularly these cities of refuge, Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, the Lord understands that uh, people can get hot-headed when they or their families are harmed by another person. And so these Levitical cities of refuge, six of them, were given over to allow people the opportunity to clear their heads and clear their minds before they sought vengeance, because remember, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And it gives us a good appreciation of the way God's justice works and or should work in everyday life. Uh, man is sinful. Harming one another is unfortunately going to be part of what happens in this world until Jesus returns and sets up his throne. And so dealing redemptively with people who harm other people and taking a breath and also bringing God's concept of fairness and judgment and justice to everyday life is just so significant. Right. And as you know, Mitch, the idea of life, the value of life is supreme in the Bible. And, you know, by extension in the Jewish world today, uh, life 
uh, you know, the Hebrew word chai. You, if you ever meet a Jewish person, they might be wearing a necklace with this uh, chai symbol on it. Chai means life because, again, life is given such great value in Jewish thinking and in Jewish culture and in Jewish life. And a lot of it is based on scripture. Uh, right. So the the idea with these cities of refuge, uh, it comes from this justice system that God is setting up and this moral code that God is giving us in the Torah. And one thing that is made clear is that if there's a homicide, if somebody murders somebody intentionally, then the just and fair punishment for the, the one who committed this heinous crime is actually that they should die as well. That's, you know, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. But how do you handle a situation where it's an unintentional homicide, where somebody accidentally kills somebody else? That's where the cities of refuge come in. It gives people an opportunity to pause. Let me read from verse 6 of chapter 35. The cities which you shall give to the Levites shall be the six cities of refuge, which you shall give for the manslayer to flee to. In addition to them, you shall give 42 cities. All the cities which you shall give to the Levites shall be 48 cities together with their pasture lands. As for the cities which you shall give from the possession of the sons of Israel, you shall take more from the larger and you shall take less from the smaller. Each shall give some of his cities to the Levites in proportion to his possession which he inherits. And so we understand that the Levites were not to have land of their own. They were to be devoted to the tabernacle and then, of course, to the temple. And so these six cities were cities of refuge uh, that the Jewish people were to establish uh, once they got into the land so that Jewish people who had committed some type of terrible act of manslaughter or even murder can find a safe haven until true justice was implemented. So in the ancient world, there was no police force, so it was up to each family, really, to avenge a murder. Mm-hmm. In Exodus 21, Leviticus 24, and Deuteronomy 29, we read, if there is harm, then you shall pay Life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, and foot for foot, as you mentioned, Bobby. So the nearest blood relative to the deceased was charged with the responsibility of executing the murderer. So there was life for life. But the nearest blood relative's own emotions and passion might cloud his judgment. He could end up indiscriminately killing someone who wasn't guilty of a capital crime. Mm -hmm. And so in this, we see justice, judgment and grace and mercy. And it's this concern for true justice that really honors the Lord. And so we want to see true justice. I mean, we want to see that today in our justice system in the United States. We want to see true justice, understanding that man's justice is always going to be frail and fail, and it's going to be faulty. Right. And so we need to create, and we have try to create systems whereby people can take a breather, there can be more objective analysis, evidence, juries, uh, judges who are trained to make impartial decisions. These are all somewhat biblical principles, Bobby. Mm -hmm. And this is where the United States, for example, is not, quote unquote, a Christian country, not because we're unchristian, but because Being a Christian is something personal. It's not something a country can do as a whole. But we are certainly built on many biblical principles and biblical concepts. Absolutely. And our justice system 
has a lot of scripture uh, throughout uh, the system. Right. But Bobby, share a little bit more about both the shedding of blood and this role of the avenger. Yes. Uh, can, can you share that with us? Yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, like you mentioned, uh, there was no police force. So if someone killed someone else, then a family member of the one who was killed would be the avenger. They would be the one who would exact justice on the murderer. But they couldn't just do it right away. There had to be a trial. The community would have to intervene to try to figure out, okay, what actually happened here? Was this intentional? Was this a malicious act of murder? Or was it unintentional? So what would happen is the person who performed the, the act of killing uh, would go to the city of refuge and await their trial. And the city of refuge would basically keep them safe from the avenger, uh, the, the family member of the, the person who had been killed. And then there would be a trial they would go through to try to figure out, okay, was it intentional? Was it not? If it was intentional, then the avenger would come and, and exact judgment and justice would be served. And the one who did the murdering would now be executed. If, though, it was found that it was an unintentional act, if it was, you know, uh, an accident or something happened, then the, uh, the Avenger would not be able to exact judgment because it was an accident. Uh, but the one who committed the, the act of, of murder would be sent off to remain in the city of refuge. And now this is where the redemptive analogy comes in, uh, because we read in Numbers 35, Numbers 35, verse 25. Okay, it says this. The congregation shall deliver the manslayer from the hand of the blood avenger. Okay, so th this is talking about the case of someone who killed somebody unintentionally. Uh, so they'll be delivered from the hand of the avenger. And the congregation shall restore him to his city of refuge to which he fled. And he shall live in it. He shall live in the city of refuge until the death of the high priest who was anointed with the holy oil. Okay, so this is, again, this is where it's kind of curious, you know, why this would happen. So this uh, this person who committed this crime, who was a manslayer, even though it was unintentional, they have to remain in this city of refuge. And the only thing that sets them free, the only thing that makes it possible for this person who basically has blood on their hands to be restored to the community fully, to go back to the their regular home, their normal tribal land, is the death of the high priest. So Mitch, um, maybe you can share a little bit more for us. What, what is it and about the death of the high priest, the status of the high priest, and the fact that his death would lead to this release and this restoration? And how does it point to the gospel? Well, again, it's, it's this life for life principle, Bobby. And we see that when somebody's oxen uh, would do damage, then there could be some type of financial fee. Uh, but if that oxen killed uh, another person, then not only would the oxen be put to death, but the individual whose oxen it was could be put to death as well. And so there is this thought woven throughout modern Judaism as well, and it's throughout the Bible. And there is this very important concept that if you believe that you need redemption, that redemption can come through the death of someone who's righteous. Mm. And uh, this we see in Isaiah chapter 53, for example. We see that th there's one who would die for the sins of the Jewish people, even though 
he would be innocent, just like a priest was innocent. His death would atone for the death of those who were even guilty, because even if somebody was not guilty of malicious murder, Mm -hmm. in other words, it was not their intention to murder, it was manslaughter, as we would say in modern terms, it was not first-degree murder, well, still, that person is still somebody who may have lost their temper and done something horrible. And so, uh, it's still a murder, and it still needs to be atoned for. And so, it is this righteous priest that lives his whole life, and then when he dies, then the prisoner is set free. And there's almost an equation there of life for life that it was the life of the priest for the life of the person who was convicted of manslaughter. And so, all of us, each and every one of us, have gone astray, according to Isaiah 53, verse 6. We've turned each one to our own way, and the Lord hath laid the iniquity of us all on him. The innocent Jesus died for the wicked, and that's us. Mm. And because of him, our priest, our sacrifice, our king, because of his death, we're able to go free. Jesus gave his life so that we could have our life back. You know, Mitch, that's really powerful. And I just, I can't help but think of a passage from Hebrews. The author uses this title for Jesus as him being our high priest. And when we think about numbers and the death of the high priest leading to this release for someone who's committed just this heinous crime, uh, and then we think about Jesus, our high priest, and we read in a passage like Hebrews 2.17, it says this, Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. And this is what the Messiah has done for us. He's become our high priest. He's become our savior. He's become uh, the one, the only uh, pathway that God has provided for us to be set free, to be forgiven, to be restored to the community, and to be restored to a right relationship and fellowship with God. You know, there's a passage I love in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul writes, he made him who knew no sin, to become sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Everything that we deserved, he received, and everything that he deserved, we received. It's remarkable, isn't it? At the heart of every believer is a desire to walk in the ways of the Savior. So, we'd like to encourage you to go deeper by connecting with our Messiah's culture and the things he holds dear. Throughout the Gospels, we read that Jesus was a Jewish man in Jerusalem. And to help you discover the past, present, and prophetic impact, we have a variety of articles, books, and newsletters that will help you to learn more. And you can even invite one of our speakers to your local church. To learn more or to request a church presentation, visit us online at chosenpeople.com slash radio. That's chosenpeople.com slash radio. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. And right now we're going to hear from Trevor Rubenstein. Trevor grew up in a fairly successful family, but as he got older, his life felt empty. So he started dabbling in drugs as a way to cope with his loneliness and pain. And then friends came and invited him to a Bible study. And when that happened, his life was instantly changed. going to love Trevor. He lives in Minneapolis and leads our work in that great city, the Twin Cities. And I know that it'll be a blessing to you. 
In the late 90s, I ran a very successful business. We made millions selling test and measurement equipment to the government. You know, I had whatever I wanted and I could have afforded anything. I could give away money to anyone. I could do all of these kind, good things. But I realized that happiness isn't going to come from money and success, but I needed something deeper. I grew up in a uh, successful Jewish family. You know, my, my parents did well. My grandparents did exceedingly well. Our Jewishness was really important, particularly to my father's mother, on our identity and who we were. There's one time I went to a mall and uh, there was some Christians that came up to me to tell me about faith in Jesus. And I just remember getting angry with them. This Jesus who you're following is a false prophet. Why are you sharing this with me? I'm Jewish and unreasonable anger really that I had towards them. I suffered from depression when I was younger and really struggled with it. And I was even suicidal. I would often contemplate killing myself. There's this overlying feeling of, I'm not loved like I want to be loved, and I can't love others like I want to love others. So my depression, it led to this emptiness, and so I would seek friendship, I would seek love from people who would accept it, and I found that amongst the community that was involved with drugs and alcohol, and uh, that really affected my grades and my education, and uh, to the point to where eventually the principal, I remember, calling me to his office, and uh, and he told me that, that he's getting, that he's kicking me out of school. You're not going to come back to this school any longer, and he said, and I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that you don't come back to this school. When I was in college, I befriended this guy who was sitting next to me, and one day he asked me if I wanted to do something with him. I didn't hear what he said, and so uh, I said, okay, and so we started going downstairs, and he asked me if I had my Bible. Bible? Why would I have a Bible? I'm Jewish. I, I don't want anything to do with this. He had answers for everything, and so I ended up going into this study. Uh, they went to a book called Luke in chapter 15, and there's a story of uh, a young man who wanted his inheritance early from his father and he took it and he went and he squandered it and just lived crazy and lived wild life and uh, lost everything. And then he remembered that even the servants in his father's house lived better than he was living and so he was going to go back home and be his father's servant. And he went home and his dad saw him and missed him and loved him and embraced him and really said, you're not my servant, you're my son. I had never, ever felt anything like this in my life. I felt this peace over me and this, this feeling of acceptance and an overwhelming love. Oh my gosh. There is a God who loves me. And what I've been doing for years has been just separating me from him. And the way to know him is through this person who is speaking in these words, that person Yeshua. I found another New Testament and I started reading sections out of it. And every time I'm reading it, the same thing is happening, the same joy, the same love. And it was removing my depression. I was no longer suicidal. And, and I was thinking, how could a book 
do this? How could just reading words do that to me? I broke down. I, I just came to the realization of this is real. That through this person, Yeshua, I can be reconciled to God and everything that I did that separated me from him, all of this life that I was living that was completely isolating me from him, that despite those things, he loved me. And through this person, he wanted me to come to know him personally. I owe my life to Jesus because I know full-heartedly that I would have killed myself if it wasn't for what he did in me. And how powerful that he gave his life so I could have it. And now I understand love. In addition to partnering with local churches in the New York area, Chosen People Ministries is ready and available to speak at your church or missions conference. And we offer a variety of presentations on topics such as Jewish evangelism, the Jewish roots of Christianity, Messiah in the Old Testament, and so much more. So if you, your church, or your Bible study group is looking for another way to go deeper in your study of the culture, heritage, and history of Yeshua, Jesus, our Messiah, then please request more information today at chosenpeople.com radio. That's chosenpeople.com radio. And if you're not looking for a specific study topic, but you just want to let us know you're listening to this program, we'd love to hear from you. Just connect with us today at chosenpeople.com slash radio. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. And we want to thank you so much for joining us today. And as we wrap up the book of Numbers, we always like to end the book with the traditional statement in Hebrew, chazak, chazak, venit chazak, which means be strong, be strong, and let us be strengthened. Now, if you'd like to learn more about this weekly program, then let me encourage you to stop by our website and explore. You'll find us online at chosenpeople.com slash radio. We have a variety of resources available, and we even have a free gift for you just for reaching out. We sure do, Bobby. And when you, dear friend, connect with us today, we'll send you a copy of our 52-week devotional entitled The Portion, along with a portion bookmark that's beautiful. It'll help you follow along with our weekly Torah reading cycle. That's the reading of the five books of Moses. What a great devotional tool. This is all part of our mission to equip believers like you so that you can be trained to bring the message of Yeshua, Jesus, to God's chosen people. And if you'd like to partner with us financially on a monthly basis, which we would deeply appreciate, consider joining our Watchmen for Jerusalem giving program. We have over 1,700 faithful partners right now, and we'd love for you to join the team. This program is a great way for you to support our staff in the U.S., Israel, and around the world as we witness to Jewish people day in and day out, heart to heart, person to person. So please go to our website and learn more about this wonderful opportunity. Visit chosenpeople.com slash radio. That's chosenpeople.com slash radio. You can also learn more about the Watchmen for Jerusalem program by writing to us at Chosen People Ministries, 241 East 51st Street, New York, New York, 10022. Or you can call us at 888-293-7482. 
And please be sure to ask for your free copy of our 52-week devotional, The Portion. And now to wrap up today's program, here's Mitch with the ironic benediction. Yisadonai panavalecha v'yasem lecha shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.